Welcome to Crash Courses by Closer and Closer, a podcast about expanding your creative capacity. Each week, we interview inspiring creatives to help you grow your freelance career. This week, we have Abraham Lule on the show to talk about packaging design with Drew Melton, the founder of Closer and Closer. Abraham is an accomplished illustrator born and raised in Mexico. He describes his body of illustration, typography, and packaging work as design with a human touch. He has worked for clients such as Facebook, Capitol Records, and Jose Cuervo. If you're interested in packaging design, then this episode is for you. All right, let's get to it. Abraham was born and raised in Mexico. He describes his body of illustration, typography, and packaging um, as designed with a human touch. His spectrum of skills is flexible and ever-changing, bringing a truly unique craft um, that is undeniable in his work. He has been with Closer and Closer since September of 2019, and we absolutely love working with him. He's worked for clients such as Facebook, Capitol Records, Jose Cuervo, and Diego, and he's also a Typography Excellence Medalist and Type Directors Club um, nominee. Um, sorry, they chose him to be an ascender. So without further ado, Abraham, thank you so much for being on this crash course. You're number two. You're the second one. Yeah. I know is kind of nerve wracking because we're still figuring this out. But I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about who you are, your background. Uh, we all just want to know who is Abraham Lule. Sure. And I mean, you... you did a great start on that and to piggyback on that on top of what you did um and what you said is um is mostly is pretty well said what you said uh, of who i am and, and and what i do um a mexican graphic designer who came to new york uh to explore opportunities uh working for more people i came here actually to study to study um motion graphics so i think uh, my, my path went a bit like, like that. I first studied advertising, then I studied graphic design, then I moved here to study uh, uh, motion graphics, and then that led me into just being focused on packaging design, which includes uh, like many, many, many other disciplines. We'll talk more about that. But um, aside of the professional side, I, I, I am a 34-year-old 30, person, uh, tall. Doctor, <laughs> I live in Queens. <laughs> I love my neighborhood. I love being a part of Closer and Closer. And this another fun fact. When Drew Melton reached out, I was such a fan of his work. I'm still his fan of what he, he, he does, but uh, I literally had his work as references. And when he uh, told me that it was a possibility for us working together, he was like, wow, this is the dreams come true. <laughs> and the rest of the story is that now we're here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you recently transitioned from um, being full-time. You were at Vault 49, and um, you recently transitioned to being freelance. I know for a lot of people, that's a common transition from being full-time to going freelance, and making that jump can be really challenging. Can you talk a little bit more about that transition and kind of your experience in-house and then what sort of pushed you to make the jump? Sure, and well going back to that experience of coming to New York, that's what really brought me here to be more established in New York, which is, if, if, if anyone here has experienced uh, uh, living here in New York, is a challenge itself 
Um, so while, while I was working with them, I kept some of my skills and my personal projects going that led into keep working with clients in Mexico and a couple of them in here as, as, as an extraordinary thing outside my, outside my full-time job. So in a way they were kind of complementing each other. Of course, I think like for me working for the agency was like a huge, huge school, uh, specifically in packaging design because of the work, all the work that I was doing for them was packaging design. And, and that also kind of narrowed down the spectrum of, of possibilities that I will do. And I was investing like more than 10 hours a day specializing on that. And eventually and naturally that led me to start getting more projects, starting having conversations with you uh, and seeing like the other door. But of course that other door imply not just having more professional knowledge in the industry, but having also like more political situations like you are an immigrant here. What does that in include? What does that imply? What, is, what are the efforts that you need to do in order to be an artist in this, in this country? And, and so then at the end, these kind of two phases of professional work for the agency and freelance, they kind of were blending. So I was, mm. I was almost too crazy, close to crazy, <laughs> working 24-7. And I found that that was no longer achievable or healthy or a way to enjoy what I was doing. And I thought, mm. well, in the agency I have achieved, uh, we have plenty of good work. So now is my mm. time to jump out of the nest. Yeah. And one thing I'm, I'm always fascinated by being an agent in the industry and talking to lots of different artists is what people learn when they're in-house. You know, I know everyone's eager to get mm. to move to, to full-time freelance, but if you could think about one or two things that were really important skills that you learned during your time at Vault 49 or other in-house agencies, what would those be? Well, definitely work uh, in collaboration. That is one, mm. like know that, know that you are part of a team and you are part of um, a, big, a bigger team than you yourself. As a freelancer, probably you are just one man orchestrating everything or just one man show. When you work mm -hmm. in an agency, it's not just yourself crafting it or directing. And so you need to be aware of that. And uh, that was a huge realization for me. And I really, I'm really glad that I, that I experienced that with them. But also mm -hmm. uh, knowing, and this is something very important to me, is knowing when to talk and knowing when to, when, when you're the talking where you're the listener. Because mm -hmm. you are not going to be leading or or giving comments about your work all the time. You need to know when is your time to just be in silence, listen, and let them, let the director really direct the project. And mm -hmm. that for me is also, well, going back to that collaboration, knowing how to be a good team member in, in, the, mm -hmm. in, a, in a group. That's awesome, that's awesome. Um, no, that's great. I think that that's a really important thing for any of us to think about because it is easy to to feel like we're just working on our own. But no matter what, as freelance artists, we're collaborators, right? We always have to be yeah. we're collaborating with lots of different people who have different personalities and different ways of working. But learning how to be a good collab collaborator is such a um, it's it's kind of an invisible skill, right? You can't see it in the portfolio necessarily, but it really does make a difference. Uh, yeah, I think that, that that was really helpful to me. And just to add on mm -hmm. that, of course, working on an agency, there's not just one style. 
and way to do things. Mm. So I was doing like all the styles <laughs> that you imagine. And, mm. and having that flexibility also was really enlightening to, to know, oh, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. Mm. So when I'm by my own, I'm gonna do things on this way. Mm. Yeah. No, I, whenever I see a portfolio where I see someone has a strong style, um, but I sometimes see this in the password protected portfolios of work that they maybe can't show or that's a little more production oriented. Whenever I see a lot, a, a lot of depth in someone's work, that when I can see that they're adaptable and they can do other things, mm. but that they've chosen a style, that to me is like a great sign. Because it's like, right. they're not limited based on their abilities. They're limited because they've got a vision for their work. And so they use that vision to sort of adapt creatively. Um, I think that's yeah. awesome. But could you walk us through just a typical day for you in terms of freelance? I mean, typical nowadays with these situation might <laughs> be at the moment yeah, my yeah. phone is telling me that my health goes from the bedroom to the desk and to the kitchen and then again let's so my because you know how things are now but yeah uh in my in my routine things that i that i do regardless of what is going on is starting my day my work day by hand so i take my notebook i start writing down like things that i need to do by like the day, like the clients I have, the, the uh, things that I need to achieve by the day or by the week, uh, which are the things that I need to prioritize. And then um, mixed with my breakfast, I start just sketching or getting a pen and just doodling things. Um, mm. One of the things that I, that I always do is practicing my calligraphy because I think that's a skill that really, really requires a lot of time. Um, mm. So once that's done, I just, go into, into the email and start answering those emails that are waiting. So, uh, yeah, yeah uh, answering those emails and actually doing the, the, the job, like if, if it's something that I need to do on the computer or if it's something that I need to, I don't know, like with, with project management in here that we need to do or um, client meetings. Um, so it's pretty much like that. Uh, if mm. it's a, a, a presentation with a client on, a, on that day, I try to focus first on, on that and then I move on to another project. Okay. Yeah. And what, you know, being freelance for so many people, when it, like when we approach our day, it can be tough to stay on task because we, there is less of that structure. What are mm. some of the challenges that you've, you've had to sort of deal with in terms of managing your day as a freelancer? Well, the variety of projects and, and I feel like I, I feel like when someone, like my clients hire a designer, they, they, I am their designer, right? Mm. So probably they're just working with me as a designer, but for me, they're mm. like, I have six clients. So probably for them, it's just me. So the, the, the specialization or like, like them being uh, me, the only designer, I make them, I want to make them feel that I'm the only person. Like I, they have my attention that I can, that mm. can be available for them. So of mm. course, trying to do that is challenging because you need to do that by eight or six or <laughs> the amount of plans that you have and you cannot always please too many kings so mm -hmm. that yeah. is a challenge and then on top of that you need to actually do the work not just being present on the conversations yeah no totally um and then you know i know you were kind of were you always into packaging design or was that something that came about later yeah, I mean, I feel like 
have always been attracted to packaging. I didn't know it was packaging, of course. Um, mm. But as I said, like I started studying advertising and then I studied graphic design and then I started leading to typography and then lettering and then motion graphics. And then it has been like this roller coaster of disciplines. Mm. I have to say that it was into someone and actually I knocked this door and I was like, hey, I like your, your gin and, mm. and I, want, I would like to design your label. And you were like, get out of here. I have another designer already. I have a designer already. I was like, all right. Mm. And then and then he actually ended up hiring me. And and when I started doing that, that was really the opportunity for me to come here and work for Vault because they were doing a ton of um, packaging design for spirits. And eventually mm. that was like 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 one on top of another one. Like and mm. I has I can see that as a red thread with when people like start specializing on things, like you start getting mm. good at something, then your focus point is just narrows down again and just start there, 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 and more and more and more and more and more. And since then mm. I've been working just in packaging design for spirits. Yeah, so you, you started broad, you had a wide range of interests that you were following and over time you started to narrow those down and eventually it led to packaging. Yes, yes. Yeah, and that's cool. Yeah, and in all fairness, like, Packaging includes a lot of disciplines, and, and I can see how I've been adapting what I collected in the past to what I do now. Yeah, no, that's great. And so the next question I had, you and I talked about this the other day. I'm so embarrassed by this because I didn't know. I didn't know that there was a difference in your mind between packaging design and then like label design for packaging. So can you just, can you help us understand better what those differences are, those distinctions? Sure. For me, label design is when you have a, a specific die cut. This is the shape that, that you have. These are the mm. colors that you need to use. This is, mm. uh, this is the logo that you need to use. This is the kind of illustration that you're hired for. And just do the, the label, what is going on inside. You can work in the architecture of the label, the composition of the typography, like the certain elements, but, the, but the, there mm -hmm. is a base there. And there's a, mm -hmm. uh, like a limitation for you um, to to work inside this frame. Yeah. Where packaging design, it is okay. So we have this product, we want to sell it, and we want to target these people. What is the color of the glass? What is the emboss on the bottle? What is the closure? Which is the material? Which is the paper? Which is the die cut? Mm -hmm. What is going on inside the label? Mm -hmm. Is this bottle gonna live inside another pack? Is there a secondary pack? Is there a third pack? Is it a cheaper? Mm -hmm. Like, so mm -hmm. it's like a like a matryoshka, Russian doll kind of effect, where you can start seeing like all these uh, that you need to know about materials. That is not just graphic design; is industrial design, structural design, maybe mm -hmm. even three D, and start seeing how that is gonna be applied um, to then have a bigger concept and say mm. because of the gene like well mexican traditions and folklore so then it's mm -hmm. going to be impacted in mm -hmm. in what you do as packaging designer yeah yeah and tell us a little bit like i mean that's a whole other world in terms of materials so how do you go about when you're working on packaging projects because you and i have worked on some and i've seen you pull together things how do you go about finding the right materials finding the right suppliers for things because in the packaging world you kind of are helping to make sure things are production ready, right? You don't want to suggest something that can't be produced or there's no supplier <laughs> for it, so. Sure. 
and you can still have that. <laughs> mm, yeah, that can have, that, I've been there too, where I'm sure that they can put it on that paper and then they realize that they, they can't. Uh, well, mm. it's finding really the right people and, and it's not about what you have on screen in this case. I feel like we're so used to think that the designer is just a person that is behind a computer. Uh, but for packaging designers, mm. you really need to understand that this is a tactile, that it is something that is going to live in someone's hands. And as you said, mm. knowing, doing the research uh, from uh, paper companies, uh, glass companies, closure companies, um, people that is doing what you, your tools, basically, and mm -hmm. having that connection mm -hmm. with them is very important. Mm -hmm. Like I have um, a list of people that I can reach out for paper and is doable for mm. labels. And then I have another one that is for boxes. So mm. those are for me the way I'm starting start building and designing um, the actual mm. packaging with, mm. with, with what I know that is doable. Yeah. And with, with that, if someone right now is working on a packaging project and they've been, you know, given the task of sourcing materials, where should they start? You know, where should they go looking for these things? Well, that's a good question. Um, what I've done is just really like use technology and it started Google, Googling, uh, like mm -hmm. surfing in, in the, in the web and being like, yeah, maybe there is a glass, for instance, if there is a wine that you're doing, I don't know, in Italy, probably there's a manufacturer of glass that is artisanal in Torino. So, so you can, mm. you need to search outside your, your, what you have in front of you and outside your location to really get those sources and start collecting them mm. as, 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 yeah, as any other collection, just start adding like who is, who is good for bottles, who is doing um, boxes, who is doing a, a printing, like, and start building that kind of tree to then use mm -hmm. it as your source of inspiration and design. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And, um, you know, because today we talked about, we really want to keep this practical and make sure that we're giving, we're, we're really focusing today on sort of the what Abraham does. And in the next session, we're going to talk a little bit more about the why. So um, my next question was, what tools are you using on most projects and what refer, or sorry, what resources do you find yourselves coming or yourself coming back to? So for you as a packaging designer, what are the tools and resources that really help you the most with your job? I feel like on that, it really depends on the project that you're working on. Um, the way, and I don't know if this is the answer, but the way I start is I need a bigger picture. I need to, I need to understand that this is gonna, this needs to have a, 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 a concept that I can use to then start looking for those things. Um, I need to create almost a story for the consumer to then look for what I using this as a guidance of what I need to, to search for. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it has the correct answer, but um, if I can use an example, if I, if I'm working on a cosmetic brand, I need to mm -hmm. create first the concept of what is the cosmetic about. And then on top of that, see, okay, um, I need a structural designer that can do something that looks like a rock. So then the pack is like a, is like a stone. So mm. that is for me, the clue to, to okay. search what I, what I need. And In I can say the like, reference, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say from me seeing your process over the past year, roughly, um, 
it's uh, one of the tools that Abraham uses really, really well is um, the power of story. Uh, when he presents a concept, what always impressed me, there's some artists and they'll, they'll throw out like a, you know, it depends on the project. Some art projects don't need a huge deck created to sort of explain the background. But I would say one of the tools Abraham uses best is the power of story to sort of inform the creative direction and the narrative. So whenever he, he was designing or is in the process of designing, it's a year long project designing uh, a mezcal from Oaxaca. And he went down to Oaxaca, you know, met the farmers, you know, stayed in the, you know, on the farm, learned as much as he could about the place. And then he brought that back and brought it into his deck. And that became kind of the foundation of the whole creative brief. So maybe this isn't a tool like Photoshop or Illustrator or something like that, but it is a tool that, you know, you, you bring into every project is you always start with the narrative that you're trying to tell the story of. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is, and it's also for me what makes it, is emotional connection to what we have on the hand or, or what we can, um, uh, yeah, the, the, the base and the foundation of what we do. I feel like without mm. it, you'll have something that looks beautiful, mm. but is not really identifiable to the brands or the users or, or the dreams mm. of the company even. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell me about one of your favorite public, you know, we've talked about, we've got a lot of pieces in the pipeline right now, but one of your favorite packaging projects that you've done to date? Um, I, yeah, I think the gin, the gin, and, and, and it is one of my favorite, and it is going back to that conversation between label and, and packaging. Well, I did just a labeling for, for, uh, for it, um, mm. but that is one of my favorites. I remember when I was designing it, and by the way, that wasn't really like a brief kind of thing. That was just mm. like, just go for it. And mm. I was very free creatively and I, and I had a million ideas that I wanted to do. I really put a lot of effort and energy like and in the small details. I, I hand painted stuff. Like, I think that for me, it felt like very close to, to, to in between personal and something commercial. Mm. Uh, okay. So yeah, that being said, I think that's, that's my favorite. I think also about, talks about Mexico that I love and I can see mm. how glorifies it and, and almost is a homage to the, to the country. Yeah. And for, for those who are watching or listening, if you go to his website, it's, it's the gin packaging, the labels, you know, there's like one shot of the bottles and they're kind of crossed in an X shape. And it's just a beautiful set of labels um, for a gin brand. Then it was, you've had, that was one of your early packaging projects, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the door yeah. that I was telling you I knocked. Like, I knocked the door, I got kicked out. <laughs> and, yeah. and I ended up uh, designing it once and then being hired to redes redesign that, that label. And that's what I did. So this is like mm. the, the second run of my first design. Yeah, yeah. And one of the, so one of the other questions is, you know, for a lot of people listening, we're uh, I'm guessing that they're on, in some level, they're involved in commercial art, you know, whether they're a producer, buyer, art director, illustrator, whatever their, you know, role is. One of the things that's like comes up the most in freelance illustration or in freelance in general is pricing. So I'm curious to hear from you, why should a client spend money to have someone design their packaging and labels? Uh, it's obvious to us, but I would just, kind of like for someone who's listening and going, it's so hard to articulate why this is valuable. You know, that's the constant wrestle is we have this much to spend and the designer goes, you know, this is how much it should cost. 
Um, yeah. How would you make that case to a client? I think it could really help people. So why to why to spend money on packaging design? Yeah, what is yeah. the value of it? If you're trying to right. sort of pitch someone on it, what's the yeah, value? Yeah, yeah. I think it goes into the longevity of the brand. Like your brand is going to have a better presence against competitors by doing this. And by hiring a packaging designer, you're just putting all, all, all this in one person to, is gonna, who's gonna guide you with experience through the process. That is a money, mm -hmm. like if, if, if someone is, is, is willing to do packaging, and I'm gonna explain something after this about time, um, mm -hmm. is something that you are going to invest anyway. You're just um, letting someone else orchestrating all the project and, and making decisions for you in order to, to have more a cohesive, packaging design. And that goes into timing. Mm -hmm. I feel like nowadays we're so used to uh, having something fast, like we like mm -hmm. expedite everything. And that mm -hmm. is also the difference. Mm -hmm. Packaging design most of the times cannot be rushed. Like mm -hmm. to, to get it rushed, you need to use things that are like a template kind of thing. Like I need to use a mm -hmm. box or a bottle that is already exists. So that is starting just, mm -hmm. I think, remove some of the value of, of the brand at the, at the end in packaging or in general design is about identification. So by using mm. things that are not just yours, you start just looking mm. at as, as everyone else. You might be very mm. successful, but might be someone else already using it. That I think mm. that is mm. the most like tangible um, uh, yeah, thing, like the asset to, mm. to hire a packaging designer. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you feel like, um, and you may or may not have an answer to this question. It just came to mind. How can artists, how can freelancers do a better job of helping clients understand that value um, when they get a new inquiry, when a project comes in? I will suggest to do like, like a small presentation or, a, or something that, that can help the client to understand what you're going to do or what you're capable of doing. It doesn't need to be actual projects. It can be as I just expressed, like, these my knowledge in in glass or my knowledge in closures or my knowledge in i'll help you through all the process uh we'll define together printing finishes like something like that um mm -hmm. even listing the the suppliers that might help the, the client to to give you more confidence about leading the project and of course this knowledge will be mm. shown in the price as well yeah yeah and I think for, if I can piggyback on what you're talking about, to me, and this is what you do so well, and one of the things I think you, you sort of integrate into your process so well is developing that narrative. Like when I'm pitching Abraham to clients, I'm like, you could hire an agency or you could hire Abraham. And both people are going to put, like with an agency, you're going to get four different people working on the project, five different people, whatever, or 10, depending on the agency, or 20. Um, but with Abraham, you're going to get one person's attention and you're going to get all of his knowledge of the process. You're going to get all of his experience on the project, right? You're, you're not just getting the artwork. And I think mm -hmm. for a lot of, for a lot of, for a lot of designers and artists out there, um, I think we sometimes miss the, the opportunity to be a guide for our clients. I think a lot of times the clients come in and we kind of default to whoever makes the request first, right? In terms of like, if a client comes in and says, I need this in a week, we go, okay, we'll figure it out. And we go back to, you know, and try to do that. And, you know, there's, there's no perfect scenario when it comes to client projects. But I think 
Um, I see a lot of people go one of two ways. They kind of go really passive where they kind of do whatever the client wants or they become very rigid and they start to go mm -hmm. like, I only do these things and don't mess with my process because it'll screw it up. But I think when you come alongside the client and really start to be a guide for them and you go, okay, what are we trying to accomplish? We want to help you get the best packaging project possible. That's where you start to stand out from someone who's just designing packaging from them to someone who's going to bring a level of intelligence and skill and experience that's actually going to create value for them in terms of walking them through the process, knowing how long things take, thinking about packaging issues that could come up that they're not even aware of. It's amazing how many things clients haven't thought about. And I think, um, you know, I think if we're to sort of convince a client of why there's value here, I think for us, instead of trying to be the hero of the story and getting everyone to love us for how awesome our work is, taking all that experience and going, hey, this is going to help you. You know, I'm going to bring all of this to the project and help guide you through it so that when we get to the end, you're going to have something great. And I think that's just so powerful. It is. Uh, and the thing is, we have mentioned this also, like it is a collaborative uh, project where the client mm -hmm. is involved. And as you said, like, if I can consolidate in one word, it is about communication and relationship with the client, knowing that we'll mm -hmm. work together on this. And that is so hard to, to show when you are first like talking with a client. Otherwise, it's yeah. just transactional. And I think that's, that's a challenge. You, as a designer, we shouldn't make it just transactional. I mean, like, mm. here's the money, here's the design, but actually building a relationship with a client to understand mm. the needs and understand yeah. uh, in both ways, really. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the best way to keep yourself from becoming a commodity, right? Is if you work with them as a partner, as a collaborator, you like, it's going to, you know, for so many people, they just think their job is to deliver artwork. But when you start to realize your job is to partner with the client, understand where they're at, help educate yeah. them, you become a trusted resource, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's what I, I like about my, my work too. Like I, my job as, as, mm. as, uh, yeah, as what I do, that I can see the mm. clients to the eye and being like, hey, how are you? Uh, good to see that your brand is going great. Uh, yeah, I keep selling. And mm. so that's that relationship. And mm. uh, mm -hmm. yeah, of friend, uh, friendship. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about is just one of the, the biggest challenges, or maybe potentially like a mistake that you made as a designer, anytime in your sort of design career, just tell us about a time you really messed up and how you overcame it or how you dealt with it. <laughs> oh, messed up. I feel like it's all, all of this is full of trial and error <laughs> and full of mistakes. So I don't know where you're even to start. Like I've been, I've done so much, so many, uh, like typos and things I got printed that are bad. Um, uh, yeah. but also I've learned from those and, and trying to, uh, that's why the, the eye of detail is built. Right. Um, but at the moment, like, I don't remember exactly like an experience, but for me, when you do, and very technical, when you're doing, um, um, artworking, there's plenty of, of room for being mistaken. And, mm. and then you need to be very, very careful. So I don't know, Drew, I feel like uh, if I can think of a challenge rather than a mistake, I feel like as a as now independently, the challenge of managing time, it is, mm. it is one of the hardest mm -hmm. and also knowing when to say no and when to say yes. I feel like that's a universal challenge. Mm. Uh, yeah. 
we, as a freelance, you are mostly in the in the mood of yes, 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 because you there's no you don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, mm. But knowing when to say no and when to say yes is something that that can be challenging, but also um, very powerful to start building more on your career. Yeah, no, and we, I definitely feel that from being, from working with you, it's us being on the representation side, you know, our job is basically sales, you know, to sell a project through. <laughs> so, but learning how to balance that and go, okay, you know, maybe Abraham needs more time for something. Maybe, you know, he's burned out. You know, I know you've been working a lot lately and having that balance of going, I can't, you know, this is an awesome project, but I can't take it right now. And, you know, either trying to get people to adjust their timeline. It's hard to do when you're like, I don't know so when the hard. next job's going to come in. So, yeah. Or if saying no, is going to close the door. And, mm -hmm. and maybe it was a really fun one. Yeah. Okay. I have two more questions. And then in uh, a couple minutes, we're going to do a Q&A with the, with the people in the call here. Um, my first question is, what would, your be, what, would your, what, you, what would your advice be to a young designer or someone who's interested in, not even a young designer, but just someone who's interested in getting into packaging design? Where should they start? Uh, I feel like I, I started studying like self-interest in 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 the discipline but not aesthetically but structurally mm. i'll go the other way to first do the heavy part of the structure and the materials and get create all that canvas and all that world and then slightly mm. move into knowing how you can apply art in order to communicate something and in this case sell and mm. um and then interesting storytelling like uh, for me, I think storytelling is one of the most fundamental tools in general in design. Uh, being part of mm. someone's life and being part of, uh, of an environment and being present there. Um, there is this thing mm. that I, I, I like to remind myself that the gap between you and interacting with design when you wake up is less than seconds is nothing. Like the interaction with design is is all the time mm. uh, in everyone's life. So, mm. um, so I think that's, that's something to, to keep in mind and then start doing that, that research and not, yeah. not, just, not just Googling that because then you're gonna have a plethora of a beautiful mm. design that is gonna feel, I think, overwhelming. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and I think the beautiful thing about story is that um, no one can argue with a story, right? It's not a fact. It's not a, you know, statement of anything absolute, but a story is what sort of we can all relate to. It's a universal language mm -hmm. and it sort of, it transcends whatever dis discipline we're in. It, it, you know, it connects people, you know, for some people it makes them upset and story is just so, it's powerful. And I remember being in art school and it was like, you always start with the creative brief, right? Which a good creative brief should be the story, right? Here's what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Here's exactly. who we're trying to reach. Here's why it's important. And without that, it becomes very difficult to really create anything meaningful. Sure. Excellent words. All right. Done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my last question is, uh, what would you do if you didn't, if you weren't a freelance designer? Uh, if it wasn't a freelance designer, I will, I will do something in filmmaking. I, I, mm. I, 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 talking about storytelling i love 
I love that and I love the industry and it's so inspiring. And again, like how everything is coordinated and it's like a lot of people and there's something fictional, but also truthful. And you can, you can see um, reality through something that is fictional. I, I love that. Mm, yeah. Filmmaking. What would you, what kind of films would you make? Oh, very dramatic kind of telenovela style. <laughs> but, but surrealistic and like, artistically just I well I, I love Pedro Almodovar if someone is in here and knows him is a Spaniard uh, film director I love his work so that's what comes to to my to my mind something that it feels <laughs> like ah, very passional and but yeah. I know on in front of a, yeah. a Henry Matisse paint yeah, yeah, yeah. My only experience with telenovelas is we watched Jane the Virgin last year in the fall. And like we were obsessed with it. And we didn't know that what this genre was. But you're right, like it was so dramatic. And they were obviously like, it was very, you know, it was tongue in cheek. And it was meant to be sort of the most exaggerated version of a telenovela. But like, I it was that. so fun. Like me and my wife watched all of it. I like just binged it in like a couple months. So it's a great genre. I love it. I, I, yeah, I love that. And, and you know, like everyone needs that decompression and, and, and laugh at something and feel for the, the actors. And yeah, I love that. Yeah, Maybe I'll that's do that. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's next. Oh, man. So now we're going to open it up. We're going to do a Q&A. If you guys have questions, I know Tristan's been in the chat. Um, so Tristan, um, do you want to, well, I can, I can go through. I was going to say, since you're a little more, we're figuring this out, guys, as we do this. So with us. Um, Tristan, do you actually want to moderate the Q&A because you've been watching it? Absolutely. Hello, awesome. everyone. How cool was getting to know Abraham Lule part one of packaging design? I learned so much and seeing you want to become a filmmaker or if you weren't <laughs> doing this, that is mind blowing to me. So we have I'm casting right now. Are you? Are you? <laughs> I think you should, you know, given that we're all kind of in this interesting season we should we should totally see an indie film from abraham lula i'd i'd watch it <laughs> so our first question is from natalia and she says hola what has been your process of successfully successfully being able to say no uh, knowing what you're um what you want to achieve next like in my case i really wanted to be recognized as packaging design for spirits that for me is a guidance. So if it's something that I can see that even if it's produced, I'm not really gonna be pumped to have it in my portfolio because at the end, what you do is also a representation of who you are. Um, so it's almost creating that, that, that future that you want to achieve. And that for me is like, this is not the time, this is a no. Or when, when the references are not what, something that I do, I think that might be better to leave it to someone else uh, and even recommend it like, Hey, this is a person for you. Wow. That's interesting. So you, even if you know the project's not for you, you were so willing to be like, Hey, this might be fit for someone else and recommend that person. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the best way to start also building relationship with the, with the community. Mm. Yeah. Cause a lot of what you said in the first part of this is all about collaboration and, and partnering with others. So that's, that's interesting that it also comes into things like the beginning process of a project or an inquiry. Um, mm -hmm. The second part of her question is also, do you think where you are now was an intentional road 
or were you creating portfolios specifically to get the projects you're getting now? Or is it more of an organic process that led you to where you are now? Completely organic, mm. completely organic. It was like, I was just doing things that I liked, I liked for mm -hmm. myself that I, that I, that I was proud of. Um, and that like it started building like a certain aesthetic or a certain style. And then people started recognizing it. Well, when I was in Mexico as, as something that I will do. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like that naturally just start leading into one path. As I said, like I started just doing packaging and now I do it intentionally and now it's not organic, but now even the, the references or the, the concepts that I propose to clients mm -hmm. are, are think uh, in some way I'm, I'm also thinking of that, what is going to be next for them and, and for myself too. Interesting. That's great. And the next question is from Carla. When you well, have a pa <laughs> when you have well, a packaging project, how do you dive into the phases for a project? Um, like, how does the project evolve from first approach, brief proposal, and finishes? Very practical question. That's a great question. Oh, uh, sorry, Tristan. Can you say it again? Sure. I, I want to be sure that I understand. Yeah. When you have a packaging project. How do you dive into the phases for a project? Like how the project evolves from the beginning, the, the inquiry, the approach, the brief, the proposals, and then the finishes of it. Right. Um, normally is conversation with the client about the needs, practical needs of what it is, like what, what they need to, to get done. Why, um, what is the reason why I'm being hired? I want to understand that. Uh, you can you guys hear me. Mm -hmm. I froze. I think I froze. Um, understanding that, and then going to more the storytelling, mm -hmm. and collect start collecting these finishes and tools that I mentioned at the beginning. Then actually doing the design mm -hmm. with sketches, and also Drew can agree with me. My sketches are really rough sketches. They are not polished sketches. Mm -hmm. So the client will will see really the the skeleton of my design and. And then once that is everything is laid out there, like all the cards on the table, mm -hmm. uh, chat with the client on what is the best uh, way to go. They select one, and then I start just really designing look on the computer, like having slightly more polished design. But that is just ten percent of what is packaging design. <laughs> once that's done, ninety percent of the work is trying to produce it as we mm -hmm. imagine it, and get it in the hand uh, as we plan. Wow. Mm. So we have another question from Eddie. Do you have any packaging Hello, design Eddie. pet peeves? Things you see in real life that annoy you? It's a funny question. Packaging design projects. Like your pet that, peeves, some things that bug you. That I've seen that I really don't like. Sure. Oh, oh. so many. <laughs> uh, well, uh, one thing that I that I that I really don't like is I, I see that people is is not following sustain, sustainability. They are just creating trash. Like packaging should not be just trash. Like and, mm. and I see that connection of like people that is still using a lot of plastic by the sake of using plastic or just saving bo some box. That is just that really bugs me. Like mm. that is really annoying because nowadays with the culture that we have, we all know what we need to do. So it's a, a social responsibility to, 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 as designers to, to keep doing what is, 
what is best for the client and also for the world. <laughs> like you mm -hmm. don't want these to not be recyclable or just, yeah, something that goes to the trash and creates more pollution. Um, that that is something that I, I won't mention brands. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It will be so so much interesting, right? <laughs> That's great. I love that. <laughs> we won't mention names. Um, we have another question here from Roberta. What is your dream company to design for? Mm. There is a there is a distillery in Scotland called Eden Mill. Oh. I would love to work for them. Um, I also would love, and this is not a client, well, maybe collaborate with um, with this studio, Orson Bavieri, in in, in Europe. Um, I really like their work. Mm -hmm. um, and doing something for something with a Austin Austin company, an Austin startup. I love to work with for startups. So yeah, I, I would love to to do something for the US that is from that region. Mm. Um, I really like their aesthetic. Um, and there is a soap company that is called um, Oh, I forgot their name and I have it here. Uh, I forgot their name. Well, I love her work. <laughs> I'll send the link. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Klaus Oporto. Klaus Oporto oh. work. It, it, is, it is amazing. And Great. it is a really old fashioned company, but the packaging is stunning. Wow. Mm. Great. Thank you. Um, we have another, we have quite a few and we're going to try to uh, get to all of them. But Sneha said, have you ever intentionally approached a certain brand with the reference of a self-initiated project, keeping a similar brand aesthetic in mind? And if not, what would you suggest to newcomers? Yes. I, I mean, like uh, using my personal work on for, for a product. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. so. Yeah. 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 I feel like, um, I did, I, I do that now. And I did that also when I was working for Vol 49, but mm -hmm. so then like it, it is might not fit. And then you start polishing it and that might lead you to a different aesthetic, but, and, and style, but that will be like the, 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 the smoothest and friendliest way to start swimming in someone else's pools, you know? Um, so, yeah, definitely I, I have done that. And I also know what is my, if I need to be faster, I know which skill, skill I can use to be faster. If it's mm -hmm. doing something, I know that I can be faster using my hands. So I'll start doing something that it feels more crafted and it feels more, uh, uh, yeah, with that certain aesthetic. And that might not work, but that is the starting of the project. If the client tells me like, hey, this is not what I was looking for, mm -hmm. at least I know that I have used that re uh, resource and I can move on. Mm -hmm. mm. Very cool. Can I make a comment on that really quick in terms of the, the sort of the, um, the usefulness of failure for lack of a better term. Uh, I think sometimes people are trying to get it right too early. You were talking about rough sketches really Abraham earlier on in one of your answers. And something I'm always telling artists is sometimes I can see them working too hard on the early sketches. And sometimes like, I think we miss out on the value of failure as a part of the process. I think we see it as a problem that we need to get rid of mm -hmm. rather than seeing sure. it at, like you just said, you basically can kind of 
it, it gets you started. And even if the feedback is negative or corrective, you can still pivot and it kind of tells you what not to work on. And so I think yeah. for so many freelancers, that's such an important thing to really think about is we're not trying to avoid failure. Failure is a tool. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think also it makes you feel more relaxed the next time you, you do it. Like, mm. you know, what it, what you know now, what is a no. So you have even more clues to what is a yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Failure is hard, but it's also a great experience and a great lesson. Something that we've always been taught by, by Drew as being part of the staff here. It's, it's to kind of embrace it. Mm -hmm. Um, Cool. We have a we have two good ones. I think one of them from Ruan is a little bit more geared toward you, Abraham, and then Grant. I feel like Drew, you can definitely put your own spin on this question. But for Ruan, hello from Brazil. <laughs> how hey. do you stay Brazil? How do you stay in touch with other designers and keep improving your skills working from home? That's a great question. And and, and I have to say, well, now we are like closer and closer is one of the best tools ever to do that. Like. You can always, and this is something that I did in the past and I still do, if I like someone else's work, I try to send them an email and say like, hey, I love your work. Wow. Um, just to feel that is like more, I'm more connected with them or they know what I, what I, what I, what I think of their work. But mm -hmm. Closer and Closer as well has, is a great roster and, and there's such a, a, the amount of talent there is huge. So if you have a question or something, you can always reach out to them and um, they're very friendly and they can give you feedback or just having a chat about life that is just refreshing for 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 the designer that is in captivation uh, in captivity as i am now um, <laughs> um so yeah but i also feel like it's similar to what i was saying with the um searching for tools mm -hmm. don't limit yourself to just search on well-known platforms yeah look for the odd look for who is not being looked at or for something rare something that is is not at the reach of your hand because it might lead to another connection or it mm -hmm. might be a new friend or a new aesthetic that you don't know um i think that for me is, is something that that i would like to do more i haven't done it recently because of lack of time mm -hmm. but i have the interest of keep doing it Thank you for tuning in to the Crash Courses Podcast. We hope you got a lot out of this conversation. Tune in next week to catch part two of Packaging Design with Abraham Lule. Don't forget to subscribe to receive the latest episodes. You won't want to miss some of the conversations we have coming up. They'll be full of powerful insight to help you reach your creative potential. To find out more about Closer and Closer, visit us at www.closerandcloser.co. Until next time, I'm Tristan Almario, signing off. <laughs>